Welcome to episode two of the Half Point Per Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always, and by as always, I mean for the second time ever, by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and of course, our producer, Johnny Pham. Start with Dalton. Dalton, week one, I think we found a pretty good groove. Um, how are you feeling about the podcast so far, and just how's everything going for you in real life? I'm feeling pretty good about the podcast. Uh, you know, we had a really good reception from all 30 or so of our listens, which <laughs> we kind of blew that out of the water. Uh, yeah, I think, well. we, I, I think last time we said, you know, we were maybe thinking like four or five. So, I mean, hey, got, got to start somewhere. And we started a little bit better than we thought. Yeah, I think so. So I think we're, we're off to the races at this point. I think we're going to start getting calls and I might quit my day job in the next couple of days. <laughs> Johnny um, Johnny has already lined us up ready to put sponsors on on the show. So uh, so I think we're ready to go. We just have to get maybe upwards of 10,000 more listeners. It, it, it's a long process. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we just need a couple more listeners and also shout out to like the 34 people who did listen but also we only have 14 followers on twitter <laughs> the 20 of you who are have not followed us on twitter please do at half point per pod and if anyone listened to the podcast more than once we appreciate you as well so maybe it wasn't 20 more people but still all right make, um, a, make a bot <laughs> make a bot dalton i think my one takeaway from our one week of doing this is I think we have to start lying on our own podcast to have any sort of success in our fantasy league because our, our rankings are under very high scrutiny already early on. Well, I've gotten a lot of feedback on my rankings and as we know, I don't generally do well when it comes to the draft. So my hope is the rest of our league listens to me and takes my advice and they do poorly and I kind of save myself and end up with a draft class I wouldn't normally have. So if you guys are listening, listen to my takes, not Evans. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> interesting that that all, all of the rankings talk has come to you. I've got nothing so far. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the people just want to want to hear what you have to say about it. But anyway, we can move on. We can get started. We have a lot to get to today. Um, this is going to be, like I mentioned last time, the quarterback and wide receiver show as far as rankings go. But actually where we're going to start off is with Raheem Mostert Dalton. He, um, or his agent rather, requested a trade. Uh, his agent says he does not want to get paid, quote, special teamer money. He's getting $2.5 million this year. He's asking to be the highest paid running back in that backfield. When you look at the backfield, Jarek McKinnon, who I think we all forgot was on that team until yesterday or two days ago, whenever this happened, um, is getting $7.5 million this year. Kyle Juszczyk, 5.25, and Tevin Coleman, 4.25. So Moster is the fourth highest paid running back. I see his point. Don't know if he's going to get paid <laughs> like he wants to get paid, but Dalton, what's your, what's your takeaway on this? Well... I really don't think he's in a good environment to get traded. I don't see a lot of upside out there in the market. Uh, you have guys like Dalvin Cook who are looking for big paydays. If he's going to end up anywhere, the only favorable landing spot, at least for our purposes for fantasy football, I could really see him landing in, would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he might be a guy who can usurp Leonard Fournette as a three-down back. Um, but in reality, backs looking for money just haven't had a good record. I don't think he's going to be able to go out there and really command it. That zone run scheme they have in San Francisco is incredibly beneficial to running backs and really 
inflates what they can do on the field. And I don't know if he's as talented as the numbers he put out last year are. So I don't know if it's a good look for him. He tries best, but I don't know if there's anybody who's really going to sell the, sell the hall to get him on their team. Right. And I mean, you, you mentioned it, but obviously the Shanahan system is always, you know, that that's a good system to be in if you're a running back, but Outside of that, I mean, that offensive line was just a monster last year. Uh, I mean, you add George Kittle to that, obviously the best blocking tight end in the NFL easily. And uh, I would say just about any league average running back could have done what he did most of the time last year. And also, he's 28 years old. Like, we don't think of him as a guy that's that old because he hadn't done anything in the NFL until last year. I don't know what's going to happen with the situation. You mentioned the Jags. I think the Bucks are another interesting one that we should at least bring up as a possible destination. They're also, you know, if Devontae Freeman gets a contract, maybe, it, maybe it's there as well at some point. But they have two guys who are pretty unproven. I mean, Ronald Jones has moments, and then obviously the, the rookie, Keyshawn Vaughn, they brought in. And, and then um, I only want to try and say the other guy's name, but the pass-catching running back, Dare Agumbawale, I, I want to say is how you pronounce it. I um, think you got it. <laughs> so, they, so they don't have a lot of proven guys there, but they, they still have a lot of guys. So it's like even if he goes to the Bucks, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think anywhere he goes is going to up his stock for fantasy purposes, which really is, is all we care about on this show. So Dalton, unless you have anything else to add uh, on most, or I think we're good to, to move on pretty quickly there. No, I, th- I think we'll talk about it later where that stands in our rankings if he were to get traded. But sure, now, I don't have much left. Sure. Well, you know, like I said, we're going to get on to, to the receiver and quarterback rankings this week um wide receiver it's interesting we're coming off a year where receiver was really just a disaster outside of the a few guys at the top i mean obviously you had michael thomas who had a great year and a couple other guys you know kenny galladay but even after stafford got hurt kenny galladay was was pretty tough to trust you had guys who were getting who who had injuries like tyree killed Devonte adams um so just a weird year for receiver you would hope to see it bounce back i wanted to throw out the stat chris harris of the harris football podcast put out a couple weeks ago and it just kind of shows you why receiver and tight end feels more random than ever so in 2009 the average nfl team ran 26 snaps per game with three plus wide receivers on the field in 2019 that number was 39 snaps per game and i feel like you can really feel that difference just the randomness on on a week to week i mean you just you just never knew on a lot of teams which receiver was going to be the guy that week and receiver was just frustrating all all around last week dalton anything to add on that or do we want to just hop into the rankings here i mean i think what you said really lends itself to the way we're approaching drafts this year you, you don't want one of those top-tier wide receivers as much as you want a top-tier back. You could really snag a guy who's getting five to six targets a game, no problem, in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds and feel comfortable with them. But, yeah, it's just frustrating to own a wide receiver with some of these looks these guys are getting. Mm-hmm. Well, and if things revert back to – because, I mean, pretty much every year uh, up until this point, I mean, there were really 20 or 20 to 25 receivers you could feel you know very, very good about um, for most of the season. So – I think there's a good chance we probably get back to more of that instead of where I think last year, once you got past like the top 15, like 15 to 40, like, like it was just like one big blah group. Like there was, I mean, you just never knew in that group who was going to emerge on a week to week basis. So, you know, as we look at the rankings, we'll, we'll just do what we did last week. We'll kind of go through, we'll stop on some guys we have disagreements about, just kind of shoot through the rankings that way. Number one, I think is pretty obvious. I don't think I've seen anybody else number one besides Michael Thomas. 
at wide receiver and i'll go all these are my rankings not Dalton's. and again half point um per reception you should get that based on the podcast name but just a reminder number two i have tyree kill dalton has Devonte adams um we just have those two flip-flopped we both have julio number four um the first I would say not major, but first minor disagreement really comes at number five, Dalton. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I have him fifth. You have him down at number nine. I will let you lay out the negative. I say negative. He's a top 10 player, but the not top five case for DeAndre Hopkins for us. Yeah, and I think where I have Hopkins ranked, I'm not going to be getting any of him in drafts this year. I like Hopkins as a player. He's a strong guy. He's probably one of the best hands in the NFL. I just don't know how I like the fit. I know we talked about this last week, but first and foremost, he's coming into a new system. And in the era of COVID, I just don't know how many reps he's going to get and how experienced he's going to be. Uh, His skill level is going to help attribute that. But when you're splitting hairs at the top, you're going to see that when you can get a guy like Julio above it, it's going to be doing better for you. A couple of things, just looking at what he's walking into over the last three seasons, Hopkins has had at least a 25% target share at a minimum, and that's really leading the league. And he's walking into an offense with a lot of weapons, just a wide receiver. You have old reliable Larry Fitz and you have Christian Kirk, and then you have some young guys like Hakeem Buckler, Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. So there's going to be more competition for the targets. And I don't see Hopkins getting that continual you know, feeding the ball in the games. Additionally, Arizona ran the highest screen percentage last year in the NFL, and Hopkins isn't a yards after the catch guy. He's a contested big body receiver. He only had 3.2 yards after the catch, which is what he averaged last year. So when you're scheming for him in the Cliff Kingsbury offense, I just don't know how positive it's going to be for him to get the looks he needs. Those back shoulder throws take a lot of rapport with your quarterbacks. I know Hopkins has shown us before that he can do it with anybody, but he's just walking into such a talented offense where he doesn't need those looks like he has historically. Um, So I think he's a great player. I just don't think he's going to return on value if you take him in the top four or five this year. So I guess what I'll say about just his fit and the offense, and this is not not the case for a lot of guys in the NFL, but really those upper echelon guys, which I I do think he's easily a top five to seven receiver talent-wise in the NFL, no question. Those upper echelon guys, to me, I mean, you kind of mold your offense to those guys a little bit. And you mentioned the, st- the screen game and maybe a little bit of a clunky fit. You know, op- Number one, Kingsbury's only had one year in the NFL. Number two, he's never had DeAndre Hopkins. So I think that's kind of yet to be seen. You could be right. It could be a little clunky. And uh, again, the COVID thing and the the reps, it, it's very real. Although if you if you follow up on Instagram, it looks like him and... Him and Kyler maybe getting a few reps in here and there. I still think there's just no question to me that he's a top five guy as far as talent goes. In a, I would call last year a, a down year for him, just relative to expectations. Um, he was still tied for second with 104 receptions, 146 targets in the NFL. Uh, was, was in like the top three or four in the NFL. He had 90, he's had 95 or more receptions in three straight years. And then as you go further back, it it gets a little more hit or miss. And I think that's more of a product of the quarterback play in Houston as opposed to DeAndre Hopkins himself. I don't usually like to take situation into account too much when it comes to this, but I do, I do just want to, to say that first of all, one thing we know about Kingsbury is he wants to throw the ball. I mean, college NFL, we know he wants to throw the ball. Kyler Murray had the ninth most attempts in the NFL last year, and that as a rookie, you would imagine that'll probably go up 
He actually finished QB8 last year, which was a little shocking to me because he only threw 20 touchdowns. Dalton, you own Zan Gonzalez last year, so you know that uh, the, the field goals for the Cardinals were a real goldmine there for a while. And you'd expect the touchdowns to improve. You'd expect Hopkins to be a big reason why. You'd expect him to maybe be a good contest catch guy, like you mentioned. I mean, maybe maybe those are maybe that 20 turns into 30 and Hopkins ha- has 10 of those. I mean, I could see a high touchdown year because there's a lot of room for growth a- as far as that goes. The Cardinals, and you mentioned their weapons, they have a lot of guys. I'm not sure if any of them really outside of Christian Kirk move the needle for me. As a receiving core, they ranked 30th in receiver target separation, um, which means how many yards of separation they had uh, on passes targeted from Kyler Murray. I think it was like 1.31 yards. It's not like he's walking into a situation full of studs. I actually think the Texans had more better weapons last year than the Cardinals right now. I mean, who knows? Those guys are young. Maybe maybe a couple of them take a big leap. But and then the other thing, and we're not really going to talk about Kyler much in the quarterback ranks, I don't think. So the other thing just with Kyler is that it really felt like for a lot of the year, um, the training wheels were, were kind of on. I mean, he was throwing underneath like crazy. On passes he completed last year, the ball traveled 5.1 yards in the air on average. That was tied with Mitchell Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> so you so you would imagine that that also will improve. This is all just to say that I think Hopkins is a great talent. I like the situation he's walking into, and I don't have any problem taking him fifth. But again, you mentioned that it's kind of picking that's here at the top. Um, Dalton, anything else? No, and I agree with a lot of what you said. As far as the wide receiver separation goes, I don't know if Hopkins is even going to move the needle for that core. No, that. he may not. He, he may not, but just the point, it's not like it's not like anybody else. You know, if nobody else is open, I'm going to throw it to the guy that I know is going to make the contested catch. Absolutely, and I think it just comes down to me of whether or not they, they make some substantial changes to the screen game and if Murray really opens up his downfield throwing. And then I think Hopkins does hit on value yeah murray actually he threw the deep ball a a decent amount but it's like it's the intermediate game it's the passes you know 15 20 yards downfield that you we really didn't see much of last year it was either at the line of scrimmage or not far beyond or it was you know a 30 yard bomb so we'll see how that develops this year as as kyler murray develops so as we move on nothing too notable the next two kenny galladay and chris goblin six and seven for me Number eight, though, is where we're going to have a major disagreement, and this will I'm interested to see where we go with this. I have Odell Beckham number eight, which I know is probably blasphemous um, to a lot of people out there just based on what it was like to own him last year. Dalton, you know that firsthand. And just, I mean, obviously the Browns as a whole last year were frustrating. Odell, with as the guy you spent the most draft capital in, first and foremost, the most frustrating. I mean, Chubb lived up to his, so he's the one guy who wasn't. Here's the thing with Odell. I, I actually heard Matt Harmon talking about him a, a little bit recently. I think it was on Chris Harris's YouTube show. So he was pretty much up until last year, like the standard in his reception perception, which if anyone's not familiar with that, it's just it's Harmon's way of grading um, not anything to do with their quarterback, but just how good guys run every route on the route tree. And I mean, against man coverage, Odell was pretty much you couldn't cover him one on one. It was impossible last year. He dropped quite a bit. Um, the explosiveness wasn't there. So I think really the main question is, can he just get back to the guy he was before the surgery? Obviously, he had the core muscle injury last year. Don't really know when it happened. Don't know how long he was playing with it. It wasn't really a thing that was brought up until like the end of the year after he'd already been bad by his standards for a while. 
It's like, oh yeah, I have this injury I'm playing through. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's that's great to know. Dalton, I have more to say, but I want to hear from from you first the the anti Odell argument because I know you're probably going to come in strong on this one. Well, and like you said, this is one of our greatest disagreements. I have Odell at 18, so 10 spots lower than you. Um, one thing, just looking at what we saw last year. I don't even know if Odell is the best receiver on that team. Jarvis Landry stepped up in big moments. Odell came in at his worst receiving grade of his career at a 69.4 per PFF. And he was the wide receiver 25 in fantasy. He didn't move the needle for anybody who spent a early second round pick on him, myself including. Uh, And more importantly, you didn't see the flashes of what you saw when he played for the Giants. There were no big plays. He wasn't getting separation down the field, and he wasn't making guys miss at the line of scrimmage and getting around them. More importantly, I'm just looking into what he's walking into. This is the second straight year he's coming into a new offensive system. Kevin Stefanski's taking over that offense. They're going to be drawing up new plays. So far, what we've noticed with Odell is he doesn't adjust to a new system right away. He wasn't running clean routes last year, uh, and that shows. Uh, More importantly, the Stefanski offense doesn't give him a lot more opportunity. Last year, Kirk Cousins in his offense was the 24th in pass attempts. He had 444 total, and Odell was 10th in the NFL with 534. So you're already going to be scratching your head as to where those targets are going to be. Then you're hoping and you're betting that Odell is efficient. And I don't want to do that. Um, More importantly, and I think we might talk about this a little later, but we don't know if Baker Mayfield is actually a good quarterback in the NFL. So you're tying your value on a new system in an era where we're not getting a lot of reps early on. And you're looking at a system where Odell's playing the Stefan Diggs role. Do we really think Stefan Diggs or Odell Beckham can run better routes than Stefan Diggs? I don't think so. So at his ceiling, he's less than Stefan Diggs was last year, which was about wide receiver 12. I don't really see Odell hitting on value if you're taking him really on. And more importantly, I see an offense that's going to be run heavy. So you're just going to have frustrating weeks with a guy who's running out of the X. He's running deep routes. And Jarvis Landry is really going to be eating up that Adam Thielen role, getting the slot targets. So I just don't know where Odell gets that value. And even if he does, I can just see frustrating five target weeks where he gets two of them. And you're just really hoping for, you know, an 80 yard bomb from Baker who might not even be an accurate quarterback. Uh, you just got to hope that an offensive line improvements really return. So there's just a lot of question marks and a lot of betting on Odell that I'm not willing to take. And I, part of it might be because he burned me so bad, but at the end of the day, he's just a big question mark and I don't see myself drafting him with some of the guys I have over him. Okay. First, I, I want to address that. In no world is Jarvis Landry a better player than Odell Beckham Jr. Not he's not just not a better player. Like he's not on the same planet of of receiver as Odell. He's a great great slot guy. He is he is not better than than Odell. I don't care what happened last year. Um, I do think a lot of the Landry Landry love last year. Number one, that offensive line was so bad. You've got your quick route. Baker had to hit that a lot of times. Um, number two, just everything, seemingly everything went wrong for the Browns last year besides Nick Chubb. And I think Baker just kind of fell back on Landry, the guy that he had the connection with. And I, I just think those two worked pretty well together. But on the, to- on the topic of Odell, 
last year is easily the worst season uh, of his career in you know a season where he stays healthy and that actually plays like a relatively decent amount of games. He played every game last year. He only topped 100 yards twice. Uh, one of those was in week two, and he had an 80-yard touchdown in that game. He had like 167, so he topped it comfortably. But And then the other game was 101 yards. So basically, we're two plays away from him never topping 100 last year. But here's what I'm betting on. He's 27. To me, I mean, unless he's just not the same guy coming back from that injury, I still think he's young enough to where I, I believe in him being the same guy as he was before the surgery. The guy he was before that was, if you get a, a full season or close to a full season out of him, I mean, that's 1,300 yards, that's 8 to 12 touchdowns, you know, book it. He, he's just that special of a player, and he's never had great, great quarterback play. And uh, does Odell scare me? Of course. It, it, it's the Browns. It's Baker Mayfield. Like, of course it scares me. But to me, you mentioned the lack of upside. See, I, I think the exact opposite. To me, if we get to December whatever, the last day of the fantasy season, Titles are being won. We look at rankings, and he is the number one, number two wide receiver. Like, I'm not predicting that, but that, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world to me. Like, I think he's still that good. I just have faith in him coming back and being the same guy as far as, you know, running the routes and, and things of that nature. And I, I think he's just a superior player to Stefan Diggs, too. Like, I think Diggs is a good player, great route runner, probably one of the best in the NFL. But just as an overall player, I mean, you're, no matter the system, you're not just going to put Odell on the Stefan Diggs role. I mean, you're going to let him do everything because he can do everything when he's healthy. That, that's my two cents on that. Well, I think we'll see where Odell ends up. Uh, just at the end of the day, I, I don't know if we're going to get the Giants Odell again this year. I just don't know if he's going to have that same opportunity historically. And I, I'm worried about tying my my wide receiver situation to Baker Mayfield. I think he he's in a bit of a prove-it situation. Mm-hmm. Well, see, here's the thing. I'm I'm not I'm not ranking him like he's gonna be Giants Odell. I mean, if you're ranking him like Giants Odell, he'd be three or four, you know, maybe even two. I mean, getting him at eight, and you know, I have him ranked eight, but in no world am I going to have to take him that high. He in mock drafts I've done, I think he is like become my favorite late third, early fourth round guy. I mean, at that value, it's like last year the me was his absolute floor and he was 26th in half point per reception, of course, assuming he stays healthy. I, I think that was just his absolute floor. So you're not you're not drafting him that far ahead of that floor. So it's like just on top of me ranking him eighth, just in general, I think I think he's a great value. He's a he's a potential league winner if you get him around there, I think. Well, and I'm just looking at who you can get over him. I mean, Juju, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett. Those are guys who've kind of proved it year in and year out with good QB play, with bad QB play. Uh, I, I'm well, Odell, Odell, your- Odell's proved it year in, year out, and he just had a down year last year, but he still hit a thousand yards. It's not like he did, you know, it's not like he had a juju year last year where he had 500 yards. Yeah, but you're looking at a guy who played all 16 games, didn't miss five, and you're looking at a guy who who finished out at wide receiver 26. So it, you have him at eight. So you're really looking at an 18 discrepancy, and if his floor is 26, I'm I'm scared about that. I mean, okay, well, well, Juju was wide receiver 66 last year. Well, Juju missed five games. Also, okay, I was gonna wait until we got the Juju to get to this point, but I'm just gonna say it now. If you're just looking at um, per game numbers, here's a few guys who outscored Juju in in points per game, not total points, just points per game. 
Sammy Watkins, Taylor Gabriel, Deontay Johnson, a.k.a. a guy on his own team. They both had 12 starts, so they both started the same amount of games, and he got outproduced by by a guy on, on his team. And Chris Conley. So, I mean, I, I don't see how you can say Juju's proved it year in, year out, because he, he, he proved last year that that floor, with especially with no Big Ben, I mean, that, that floor is crazy low. Well, I think he. if we're comparing situations, he was in a drastically worse situation than Odell. Odell didn't have any injuries. We, we wrote off that he was injured all season. But well, that's the thing is we don't have any idea. We don't know what the, we don't know anything about his injury other than he had and he had surgery. We don't we don't know when it happened. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, at that point, you can just slap on the injury prone tag to him. And I think his floor gets even worse. I think Juju's a guy who played on probably the most shallow and pedantic offense in the NFL really had to fight and scrap just to, you know, with Mason Rudolph and duck Hodges before uh, if we're just jumping into Juju before big Ben got hurt. I mean, the guy had 9.7 yards for carry and he was averaging like 61% of his targets had accurate ball placement with big Ben. And then you get Rudolph and you get Hodges and that drops down to 48%. So he, he was fighting with QBs who couldn't put the ball in the market at all. Well, okay. So the thing, it's funny. You talk about the risk with Odell and, you know, slapping the injury prone tag on him. I mean, the risk with Juju, we talked about big, you know, big Ben's risk a little bit last week, just in talking about James Conner and the Steelers as a whole. I mean, the risk with Juju just outside of himself is big Ben's just done. Well, I feel like that's a higher higher risk than than Odell's, you know, injury prone number one. So I think you have that. I also think Juju, he's going to be back in the slot this year. It, it was proven last year he he's not an outside guy. He just doesn't have that that in his route tree. So I think his his upside just as far as that goes is a little bit capped. I know he had the big year in eighteen. I think he also benefited a lot from Antonio Brown taking every top cornerback and. You know, the defense had the game plan for him. I mean, he's arguably second best receiver of all time. So we'll see. We haven't seen Juju do it without Antonio Brown. Obviously, last year was just screwed up by Big Ben's injury. But to me, and this isn't to say I don't like Juju. We should mention Dalton has Juju 11th. I have him 17. So it's not like I'm like crazy low on Juju. But if we're just talking risk factor between these two guys, I think we saw last year that the risk profile for Juju is higher. I mean, 66 and, and I know he was hurt for four games, but just points per game. I mean, I think he was like seven point something points per game. I mean, that's pretty ugly. Well, if we're talking just pure injury history, I mean, Odell in 14 had a hamstring injury and didn't play for half the season. He got suspended one game in 15 for his on. No, he, he actually missed. He actually missed four games that season and then had 1300 yards in 12 games. So and then <laughs> 17, he has an ankle sprain and a fracture. 18, he had a bruised quadriceps. He's had surgery. I mean, if we're just comparing injury profiles, I think Odell's racks up about as many as Big no, Ben. No, sure, yeah. O- Odell does have a scary injury profile, but Big Ben's coming off Tommy John. I, I don't, I don't want to just compare injury profiles because you know that that's an impossible thing to do. But I guess all I'm saying is that I feel like the risk for Juju is higher if nothing else, because there are factors outside of his control that if they were to happen would just be catastrophic for for his value again. At the end of the day, I think, and we might talk about this when we get to quarterbacks, that Tommy John surgery might be a positive for Big Ben. In the majors, at least, there are guys who get Tommy John surgery and come back with more arm strength. Carson Palmer 
had the similar surgery and came back and was still a great quarterback. I think that that Steelers offense is incredibly improved. And if I was just looking at them side by side, I would rather be more heavily invested in fantasy football in the Steelers offense than I would be in the, the Browns. I think they have way too many question marks. And I, do, I just don't believe that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a better uh, return on value. Like you said earlier, I think Juju moves to the slot too, where he had 1,400 yards two seasons ago. He's still a guy who creates yak. He had a 5.7 yards after the catch last season. Uh, he's just a guy who really excites it and moves the needle. And I'm worried that Odell Beckham Jr. might have just, he might have, his career might not be where it was at with the Giants any longer. He might not have been healthy enough anymore. And I just don't think Baker Mayfield is the guy who gives him what he needs, even when we look at it skill-wise. I mean, yeah, we'll see. If you're talking about yards after the catch and a guy that excites you, I mean, I don't think there's too many receivers who are more explosive just in general than than Odell. We'll see what he gets back to. Um, Okay, I'll give you the choice because I was going to say we make a bet between Robert Woods, who we'll get to in a second, and Juju. Um, just straight up, who's who's higher by the end of the year? Now, okay, do you want to make it Juju versus Odell or Juju versus Robert Woods? It's your choice. I kind of like Juju versus Odell. We have both those guys pretty similar. I mean, Juju's my 11 and OBJ's your 8, and then you have Juju at 17 and I have OBJ at 18. So we're looking at we have two guys ranked on the flip when we flip the script there. So I'd take Juju over OBJ. Straight up? Straight up. Straight up. Okay, uh, I'll take Odell Beckham Jr. over over Juju. And you know, made a couple bets last week. I think what we'll do is just at the end of the year, we'll we'll see who won more often than not. Um, and, and Les Dalton, you have any any fun ideas that that we can give to the winner? We can maybe talk about that at some point. But well, future sponsor of the podcast, Jefferson's, might be some fried pickles <laughs> and wings in there. Whoever comes out with the majority of the wins on our bets, you know that that just reminds. I feel like this should be public now that we that we have a podcast. The first fantasy football bet that Dalton and I ever made involved Jefferson's, and it was Paul Perkins versus Jeff Janis. I mean, talk about just a, a bar fest of a bet. I think I won, but it was like 20 to 10. Like, it was so brutal. I think Paul <laughs> Perkins had one game where he started and he outscored <laughs> Jeff Janis on the season. I think he may have scored a touchdown, and that that's all it takes when the points are so, <laughs> so few. Oh, God. Okay, I wanted to bring Johnny on the Odell conversation. We skipped that to Juju, which was totally fine. That that was great. But, um, Johnny, uh, on Odell, I just want to play a damn game with you, similar to what we did last week. I'm just going to go through a couple of guys or some guys that Dalton and I have in between where I have Odell and where he has Odell. You tell me who you're taking, okay? Okay. All right. Odell Beckham Jr. or Cortland Sutton? Uh, Sutton. Odell Beckham Jr. or Calvin Ridley? Um, I'll take Odell. Odell Beckham Jr. or Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen. Odell Beckham Jr. or A.J. Brown? Ooh, I like A.J. Brown a lot from Madden, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go with Odell. Odell Beckham Jr. or DJ Moore? I'm I'm gonna ride a little high with Odell right now. I'm I'm gonna do Odell because I just feel like the Browns just got way too overhyped last year, saying that they were picked to win the division. Expectations were way too high. Like there's a bounce back year for them, but I think Odell will show out this year. Mm-hmm. Not as well, high as eight, but will show <laughs> out. Okay, well, so I think it, it sounds like you would have him a little bit closer to where I have him ranked than Dalton, but you're, it sounds like, right in between both of us on, on Odell, which who knows, that could be the, the correct place to be. 
by the end of all this. But no, I, I like that you mentioned the bounce back for the Browns. I think, and we we mentioned this before the show, Baker Mayfield could easily be a, a post-hype sleeper. I mean, neither one of them. I, I think I have him 13, you have him 12, Dalton, but you know they just did such a disservice to him last year putting him out there behind that offensive line. I think you know he's a quarterback I don't hate getting at the end of my drafts. And again, just another reason why I feel I feel confident about Odell because I, I know we don't know if Baker's good or not, but I think he's a ton better than he showed last year for reasons outside of his control in the offensive line and then also just i mean he's gonna have better coaching what do you think well i do think baker might take a step forward from what we saw last year that offensive line when it came to pass protection especially was absolutely horrible and they did go out and they got some better guys and i also think kevin stefanski going to play to baker's play action success that's where baker was actually a a good quarterback last year they are going to be a big scripted play offense like we saw with Minnesota last year where they're going to be coming off the play action. Minnesota only trailed the Ravens last year in run percentage at 47.1. So they're going to minimize the difficult throws Baker has to take, and they're going to maximize the high percentage throws on the second and fives and the third and twos where Baker might get his shot downfield. And it's going to be his chance to prove that he's an NFL quarterback and that his rookie season wasn't a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree with you there. Um, we'll get moving here. Uh, Cooper and Mike Evans round out my top 10. Dalton has both of those guys in his top 10 as well. Um, DJ Moore next for me. Really, it's kind of the usual suspects here. Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen. Um, I have Cortland Sutton 14. I actually am a little surprised we didn't identify this as something to talk about. Dalton, you have AJ Brown 13th. I have him 20th. I know we didn't discuss this pre-show, but I do want to give you just a second to tell me why you love AJ Brown. Well, way to really catch me off guard there and hold my feet to the fire. Um, I will say I did find it interesting uh, what what uh, Chris Harris tweeted, that A.J. Brown racked up 45% of his yards in 2019 out of eight plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was going to be my argument uh, against him for, for the record, that a lot of those came on big plays, and a lot of those were like, he's not really a big play guy. Like, he's fast, but that... That's not really what he was known for coming into into the NFL. I mean, not to say he's not, but like he's not Tyree Kill. Like that's Tyree Kill. Like what those numbers are. Like he's not that. So I'm just a little skeptical. Number one, that's gonna repeat. I mean, he's very good. I have him 20th. I think he's gonna be a good player, but I can't get him as high as you've got him. You got him ahead of Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Yeah, I do, and that might change later down the road, especially with a Rob. But when I look at AJ Brown, what I see is a big-bodied, powerful receiver on a team that's going to run the play action. And more importantly, him and Ryan Tannehill just have a great rapport, and I'm betting on that rapport. He didn't come on strong to start last season, but he finished it out incredibly. They also they utilized him interestingly. I know he, he rushed the ball for a couple of times. I think he had like an 80-yard touchdown run too, didn't he, or something like that? I think it was like a 40-yard. Just looking, he has three carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. So yeah, so he must have had a long touchdown run. He He's a big play machine, so he's exciting to have. And I think next year you're going to see his target share increase. He was, he had 84 targets last season, um, and that's looking at where he didn't even have uh, a, tar- a couple of targets in his first three or four games. So I think A.J. Brown's a guy who turns it on. I'm also a big believer that the Titans' offense stays strong and stays hot and that Ryan Tannehill might be a serviceable quarterback now that he's out of Miami and away from that organization. Just one more thing before I move on. Ryan Tannehill stinks on to the next. 
Um, on to the next disagreement. I mentioned Sutton at 14. Um, Robert Woods at, at 15 for me. Dalton has him cleared down at 26. So that that's just by pure numbers. That, that's our biggest disagreement at near the top, at least. 90 receptions for 1,134 yards last year. You know, very solid, very respectable season. He only had two touchdowns, which I know he's not a, a high touchdown guy, but he had two receiving touchdowns and he had a rushing touchdown last year. So you would expect that to come back up a little bit. He he had six the year before. So, you know, I mean, if you if you just figure he's going to end up more in the five to six touchdown range, that'll help too. And I mentioned the rushing touchdown. They do like to get him involved in like the jet sweep game a little bit. They, they do some of those end arounds. Seems like he's always the guy. Last year, I was the Brandon Cooks owner. and I was like, oh yeah, Brandon Cook. No, wait, that's Robert Woods again on that 15-yard run. So that was incredibly frustrating. But the last five games, and I know we talked a lot about the Rams and how they kind of revamped their scheme a little bit last year um, when we talked about Higby last week. The last five games last year, Robert Woods, this is just targets. He had 18, 9, 9, 11, and 12 targets. That That is massive. And then also, pure numbers-wise, he had one dud, 4 for 17. But then he was 13 for 172, 7 for 98, 8 for 117, and 7 for 67. And obviously, it's different from Higby in that he was already a very good player. Before this happened, it was just a monster finish. I think Robert Woods is very good. Um, and also, Cooper Cup kind of had had hit or miss moments last year, but this hot streak was not when Cup was like completely um, disappearing. Like Cup had a big game in Week 17 as well as Robert Woods. I think they both topped 60 yards. I, I think Cooper Cup had touchdown. Woods may have even had a touchdown too. I don't remember. But Cup's snap percentage was above 60% in all those games. So, and again, I have Coop rank, uh, Cooper Cup ranked one spot below him. So, I mean. That's kind of a cop out, but they're both in both in the same spot for me. But I like Robert Woods. I'm drafting a lot of Robert Woods. Dalton, why don't you like Robert Woods? Well, I want to say I I love Robert Woods as a player. Love him on the field. This came down to a couple of decisions for me. First and foremost, I don't want to have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods ranked similar because I could see myself getting a lot of shares as one of them. This was really me putting my stake in the ground and saying. The player I prefer is Cooper Cup. You know, Cooper Cup is the slot guy. He's a more dependable asset. And Jared Goff looks to Cooper Cup when he he's in a bad situation, which I think he's going to be in a lot of throughout the 2020 season because of that offensive line play. But to touch on Woods, last year he had six games where he failed to reach double-digit fantasy points. He had one game where he didn't even get a single catch. So there is a big downside to Robert Woods. And you you start on this, and I kind of want to finish it. The real question mark to if Robert Woods is worth a you know fifth, fourth round pick is whether or not the Rams come out with 11 personnel like they've run all but the last eight games of last season or with 12 personnel. I went back and looked at the numbers. When they ran 11 personnel, Woods averaged 3.75, so we'll round up to four catches a game. When they ran 12 personnel, he had seven catches a game or six and a half. So we'll round that up to seven. So if they come out with 12 personnel, you could be hitting on some high value return with Robert Woods. I like the the tried and true asset in Cooper Cup. I know that he'll be looked at by Jared Goff. They have a really good rapport. And he's he, you know, he runs out of the slot, which is kind of a fantasy gold mine when it comes to wide receivers. So this really came down to addressing which receiver I want on that offense. And then it came, it was Cooper Cup. And at the end of the day, that's where I'm going to stake my claim. 
I don't want to own a lot of shares in the Rams in general. I think they're not a good team. So Cooper Cup got the higher ranking, and I, I dropped Robert Woods because I don't want to end up with him. I understand that, and to you know, for me, where I have both of them ranked, I'm going to be faced maybe with the decision, uh, depending on where I'm picking. You know, say I take Robert Woods at the end of the third. If Cup is there coming back around, it's like I, I don't really want to do that, but I don't know. It'll be a tough call, but I think just on Woods and the inconsistency, I think that was just kind of the Rams as a whole last year. I mean, Gurley, it was more the just the snap count, the limited snap count he was on, and the offensive line, but just like all the pass catchers, I mean. Obviously, Brandon Cooks, even when he was healthy, um, was, was pretty hit or miss. That That's par for the course for him, obviously. But even Cooper Cup, I mean, he was great to start the season. And then he had the just the, the bizarre stretch. I mean, he had he had a game where he played 92% of the snaps and didn't have a catch. Like, I, I just the, the downside for them as a whole was, was very large last year. So I agree with you. They're a little bit of a scary offense, but... I don't know. I, I'm going to choose to believe that, that McVeigh is going to right that ship a little bit. And when I say bounce back, I don't mean like they're going to be back to like Super Bowl contending Rams, but I think we'll see a, a better overall team than, than what was put out last year. I'll just put it that way. I'd like to say that this might be a podcast first that I agree with Dalton, <laughs> that I just don't believe in Robert Woods at all. Uh, back to where like Dalton even said like the eleven personnel like the last six weeks it dropped from eighty percent to fifty eight percent like that's pretty drastic and I just don't think Robert Woods would just be that good. Okay, well we have we have a first we have Johnny siding with Dalton. <laughs> Mark this day down. It will probably never happen again. Enjoy it, Dalton. <laughs> I'm relishing the moment. <laughs> So we'll we'll move on here. Um, I want to quickly just kind of skim over some of these rankings. We only have like one or two more guys we we really want to hit on. I have Woods fifteen, Cup sixteen, Juju seventeen, as we mentioned, Calvin Ridley eighteen. Kind of skip through if there's anybody else interesting. I think it's interesting that number one, you have Keen Allen twenty one. I have him um, thirty one. It's a pretty big difference there. I'm pretty scared of that Chargers situation. Clearly, you are not. If, I mean, if it was a different quarterback, I'd probably have Keenan Allen um, 15 spots higher, quite frankly. I mean, he, he's awesome. But but alas, it's also interesting that Stefan Diggs, for me, is 21, um, 28 for you. But I think his quarterback is bad, and you love him. So I'm not exactly sure how we both got to, to those rankings, but, but it is what it is. And then some younger guys with McLaren and DJ Sharp next. Uh, for me, T.Y. Hilton. Um, with new alarm Philip Rivers at 24, uh, DK Metcalf 25. I think really the main guy that we should at least touch on before we move on. Well, we've got two more. Dalton, I'll give you a chance to talk about Jamison Crowder for about 30 seconds because I don't think this is too interesting of a topic, but it is interesting in that you have him ranked 32nd. I have him ranked 51st. Yeah, I love Jamison Crowder. I'm taking him every draft. I think he's going to be one of the biggest hits in fantasy football. And I'll stake my claim on that right now. And I'll give you the quick hits why. Last season. Okay. Real quick, can you define, like, uh, when you say hit, like, do you just mean, like, he's going to live up to that ranking? Or do you think he has higher upside than that? He'll be a wide receiver 24 at the, like, he'll be a top, t- top, you know, wide receiver two, top 24 guy. No problem. I think the Jets are a horrible offense. Or so you're gonna, are, are you going to move? Are you going to move him up in your rankings? He's probably going to get a couple of moves here and there. I think, <laughs> I think Ty and maybe Keenan might take some hits. But last season he had 122 targets. He had a 24.7 percent target share, which was 13th highest in the NFL. And now he's not even competing with Robbie Anderson. 
just to name the guys he's competing with. Uh, Brashad Perryman, who couldn't catch a ball until the last three games of last season. Josh Dotson, who was a flameout against a weak core for the Redskins. And then rookie wide receiver Denzel Mims. Sam Darno is going to look for the only weapon he has when they're probably in negative uh, situations where they have to air the ball out, and that's going to be Jameson Crowder. He's a good receiver, and he's going to just get peppered with targets. He had two 10-plus games last season. I could see him getting you know three or four 10-plus target games this season, no problem. I love the guy. Uh, I just knew that you weren't going to say Sam Darnold's name right when you got to him because I don't think you've ever <laughs> said Sam Darnold's name right. Okay, so here's my thing with Jamison Crowder. I think what we saw last year, which was 26th in PPR, 34th in standards, somewhere in between half-point PPR, um, I think that's probably about the ceiling that, you, that you're going to get. I mean, at the beginning, it you know, 14 receptions in the first game like that. So it started off too good to be true, and it obviously trailed off when, when uh, Sam Darnold um, contracted mono. And then at the end of the year, he picked it back up again. But to me, so like, Okay, you're drafting a guy who, in my opinion, hit the best he's going to give you is like the 30th best receiver in half point PPR at that range, or at least like I would just rather take guys with higher upside personally. Once you get to that point, I don't think he has it. I mean, we haven't seen the Jets' offense produce anything worth anything for a long time, and uh, not not last year. I, I think they've thrown haven't thrown more than 20 touchdowns for at least a, a couple of years now which is pretty pretty tragic if we're being honest but I, I don't know I just Crowder doesn't really excite me there's other guys I'd rather take a shot on like I have Mikkel Hardman ranked one spot ahead of him because it's like I want a guy if he hits for me like that could be league winning I don't think Crowder is going to be a league winner and where you're drafting him is pretty close to where I think his peak value is and the other thing with Crowder is like he's the type of guy who I think you can you can find on waivers at the at the you know near the end of the season in the middle whatever. I mean, he's a guy that I did find on waivers last year. I would just rather spend my draft capital on a guy with more upside. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think that the disrespect will show on your end. I mean, you have Alshon Jeffrey and Debo Samuel, two guys who are going to kick off the season on IR. Okay, so let's talk let, let, let's talk about Debo right now, real quick. Before his injury, where would you have had him rank? Well, like, you know, right now I have Debo at 61. Yeah, you have you have Debo 61. I think I have him like 41. I think before his injury, I had Debo uh in the mid 30s, I think around around where I have Will Fuller 33, 34. Um, I just, I can't see myself drafting him with the injury and missing six games and sitting on my roster. If Debo wasn't injured, he's an exciting player. Uh, but again, with the history Kyle Shanahan has with the way we, <laughs> we had a big Dante Pettis moment last year where everybody <laughs> thought Dante Pettis was the man to have and Kyle Shanahan put him in the dark house. So I just kind of want to play a wait and see approach with the 49ers and see who is the wide receiver and see if he's on waivers and I can pick him up, you know? Uh, but with, with Debo Samuel's injury, I won't, I won't own any shares unless I can get him after he gets healthy. Well, if we're talking Debo versus, versus Dante Pettis, we have seen Debo. <laughs> we have seen Debo number one, be very good. Number two, be the best player on their offense in the Super Bowl. I mean, quite frankly, there's that, but okay. So I think part of our difference is I just have a higher opinion of Debo when he's healthy than you do to begin with. So that's part of it. Before his injury, I we hadn't done rankings yet, so I can't tell you exactly. But I think he was going to be like in that 23 to 28 range for me, probably close to the 28, you know, maybe 26, 27, 28, somewhere in there. But I mean, 
that range like that, like 18 to 28 is very, very close. And those are all guys who you could easily see take a, a tear jump this year and end up um, on the fringe of wide receiver one or even wide receiver one. And I think he was in that tier. So for me, I'm drafting him not as a starter, hanging on during the six weeks. And we should mention it could be six weeks. It, that, not official yet, but he has the Jones fracture. If he goes on the PUP, he'll be out at least six weeks. And I would imagine that's what they'll do with him because number one, I mean, he had a ton of injuries coming out of college. He's been an injury-prone guy his whole career. And number two, that is an injury that has a high risk of re-injury. So what, I mean, what's the point of rushing a guy that young back um, to have him get hurt again, but having him sit on your bench for six weeks is painful, but like, it's not like you're drafting him to be a starter at, at 41. He's a bench guy and the reward could be huge. I mean, he's a league winner. If you get 20 top 24 production out of a guy you draft in the forties, like that's league winning to me. Um, Dalton, anything else um, before we move off receiver? Well, I think this mirrors our Clyde Edwards Hilaire conversation. I'm not a fa- I'm not a patient fantasy owner, uh, especially <laughs> early in the season. If I see a, a, a stud going off on waivers, I don't want to be sitting there looking at Debo, thinking I have to wait four more weeks to see what I have out of him. Uh, so I just don't want to spend draft capital on him when I might be able to get a high upside guy who I could see perform early on. I just don't have the patience, especially if. I'm sitting at three and three or zero oh and six or what have you <laughs> a little later in the season. It's I get it. It's tough. It's painful. I mean, I draft I drafted Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt last year, and I held Kareem Hunt that entire time. So it sucks. It sucks having a roster spot where you feel like you you can't do anything with the guy. You can't drop him. You feel paralyzed. But at the same time, to me, I th- I think it's worth the risk where you're getting him. I, I mean, again, if he was going like thirty. If someone takes him like as a third or fifth receiver, I, I'm not in on that. I think there's still guys, but once you get down into those 40s, he's kind of like he's before he's like the first guy in that tier of just dart throws to me. Like he's kind of where the dart throws start. So it's like if I'm gonna take a dark dart throw, I might as well at least take a guy that I know is proven. And when he comes back, we think he's coming back to a good situation. You know, good offense, decent quarterback, good system, great system. So that's our Debo talk. Um, let's move on the quarterback. And I think we have the same top two, Dalton, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I'm not down I've, on every chief. <laughs> I've seen these guys ranked um, one, two, um, both ways. I don't think it's too controversial to pick one over the other. We both have Mahomes one. We should both say we're probably big homers when it comes to that. But I think there's also less downside with Mahomes. I just think number one, he's just the better player. Number two, um, Lamar's touchdown regression is probably coming this year. He had an insane amount of touchdown passes on a not very many throws last year. And so with that being said, even with the rushing, you just feel safer that unless one of these get like if these guys are both healthy, you just feel safer that Mahomes isn't going to isn't going to somehow burn you. And when I say burn you, I mean, finishes the fifth quarterback, because if they finish the fifth quarterback, that's really tough for guys who are taking in the top two or three rounds. Yeah, and I, I stand where you stand. It came down to me. Jackson is a very polarizing player to watch. He kills it in the run game, um, but we've seen two playoffs where the teams really drop back and dare him to pass, and he just hasn't been able to hit the value there. The Chargers and the Titans have done it, and I'm worried about what happens if the NFL evolves to a way that Lamar Jackson is played as a pass-first quarterback it's a small it's it's a very minute disagreement i have on him and so mahomes is just a guy who really he can do it all 
Uh, he's so frustrating for offenses, and that's why he gets QB1 for me. But I would be happy with not taking either of those guys at the value they're at in drafts these days. Yeah, so before we moved off receiver, we actually we forgot our one big question. So we'll save that one for the very end. We'll come back to it. But our one big question for quarterbacks is how high would you be willing to draft a quarterback? So that kind of ties into this conversation um, for me. And I think these guys, Dalton, I'd be surprised if either you or I end up with um, Mahomes or Jackson in our league. Are you taking either one of these guys in the first, we'll, we'll say top, we'll say top 30. Are you taking them in the first two and a half rounds? I don't. The only situation I see myself drafting them in, in a half point PPR league, and I'm not talking about a super flex or league where quarterbacks are more valued. Mm-hmm. The only time I see myself drafting them is if I'm at the turn and I get running back, running back, running back, and I'm sitting there with three running backs and the fourth pick of the first round, Mahomes or Jackson is there. That's the only situation I feel comfortable with the way wide receiver is. I could get a good guy later, but there's not a chance in the second round I'm taking these guys over any of the running backs available. Mm-hmm. I would say at the three, four turn is the absolute earliest for me. And then probably more into the fourth, which just isn't going to happen in almost any draft. But if it, if it does, the situation for me would be like, if I have a running back, I feel really good about, and I have a receiver, I feel really good about, then you kind of get to that point where it's a lot. I mean, we've talked about this last week, that third and fourth round is such a, such a landmine for bus. So you could be looking at a couple of rookie running backs and a couple of second or third year guys that, you don't really like they're kind of gross and so you know let's say you don't want to take jonathan taylor deandre swift you'd rather take carry on johnson and marlon mack so you can take one of those quarterbacks there and just take the other backfield guy later on a situation like that but again i don't think either one of us is probably going to be faced with that in in our draft so we'll move on um number three i have deshaun watson and you have Russell Wilson. I have Russell Wilson for, like I said before this podcast, I I mean, the difference between those two is almost none. It wouldn't take me much convincing to move Deshaun down to four and Russ up to three. I think Russ is the second best quarterback in the NFL. Dalton, I, I think you and I both agree that Deshaun is like a top three or four quarterback in the NFL, but you have him ranked seventh. I have him third. So tell me why you are a little down on Deshaun Watson this year. Um, below below Josh Allen and Dak Prescott, two guys he might not be below in a, on in a lot of guys' rankings. I think, like you said, Deshaun Watson is a top three quarterback in the NFL, maybe top top four. He's a great and amazing player. But when it comes to fantasy, I have some reservations. First and foremost is the offensive line he's playing behind. Two seasons ago, the man had to take a bus to play in Florida because he couldn't fly on a plane because he had taken so many hits. Last season, he was the third most hit quarterback behind the line of scrimmage, and he makes amazing wizard-like plays where he gets out of that. But I really have a strong question for how many more of those hits he can take before he has to set out a couple of games. They invested in Laramie Tunsil, who I don't really believe is that quality of a tackle, but that's really their offensive line is anchored around that. So that's my first issue. Then he loses Hopkins. I think Tunsil is good, but I don't think he's worth like mortgaging your your draft future over, which they kind of did. A, I guess not mortgaging, but I mean it's a, a big dent. Go yeah. On. Well, and then you pick up David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins in the Madden on easy mode trade of the century. I just don't understand not aligning your best weapons. I get that he has now Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, who are two guys who missed significant time for injuries all the time. 
when they're on the field, they can be big game changers. But Brandon Cooks might be one concussion away from not playing an NFL game again. And Will Fuller is injured just continuously. So I get very worried about who he's going to have on the field. He might be in a situation where Randall Cobb is his wide receiver one. And you're just asking so much out of him that I'm worried that he won't hit home on that. So I just want to avoid him. I don't want to be stressed out watching an injury fest on the Houston Texans football field. So I'd rather just pass him up and take worried about getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Kenny still is another guy who's still there who is at least serviceable. Obviously the weapons take a big downgrade when you lose DeAndre Hopkins and you add, you know, we don't really know what David Johnson's going to look like. Maybe he's a little bit better, but you know, Hey, maybe there's a world where David Johnson bounce back, bounces back and they use him correctly. And when I say correctly, you know, they line him up as a receiver. They put him out wide. Um, yeah. Some, Cause that, cause that's really what you should be doing with David Johnson. He's a great receiving back. Okay. So my thing with Deshaun, I agree with you. Like we, like we already said, I, I think he's very easily a top three or four quarterback, in my opinion, in the NFL. So number one, I it's not out of the realm of possibility for me. I think it's more likely than not that we just keep seeing him get better and better and better, even as the situation around him might not be ideal. I think he is just such a good player. I think he can kind of put that team on his back a little bit, so to speak. The other interesting thing is the the most touchdowns he's ever thrown is 26. He's done that twice, which is a little surprising. That number is not higher. That's why he's been at the last the last two seasons, I, I think those touchdowns. And again, this sounds crazy without Hopkins, but it's like you would imagine, like he can throw more touchdowns than that. Like if if Deshaun throws thirty eight touchdowns, it's like no one thinks that's crazy. Like that seems very possible. I also think there's a world where he ends up being the leading rusher on that team, just with David Johnson. Who knows what he looks like? And also, I mean, like I said, if you want to use him correctly, you want to throw him the ball a lot. He's gonna be running for his life behind a bad offensive line, most likely. He rushed for seven touchdowns last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see that repeat. So I think the rushing upside is there. And ultimately for me, that was the tiebreaker between him and Russ. Cause I, I love Russ, but and Russ can run, but he doesn't really run unless he has to for the most part. So I think we're going to get a lot of running out um, from Deshaun. I think he's got enough guys there where it's like, yeah, I, I wish he had better players around him, but maybe the the revolving door of, of injuries will just work out in such a way that at least one of Cooks and Fuller is on the field <laughs> sometimes. And I, I didn't factor this in at all to this ranking, but I will say the one wild card is uh, Antonio Brown. Who knows what's going to happen with that? We haven't talked about him. We haven't ranked. We didn't rank him yet, but maybe he goes to Houston. They could use him. That'd be a big upgrade for me. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, I, I think it's, even though you have him four spots lower, it's, pretty close with a lot of those guys so it's kind of splitting hairs i do want to talk about josh allen though because even though you you have him five and i have him eight i strongly disagree with having him having him at number five so i want to hear your take on this well we could very well be in a situation where i have josh allen as my qb3 before (laughs) Um, and let me give you the breakdown the more i jump into josh allen the more i want everything to do with him I tweeted out a couple weeks ago, uh, Josh Allen's at 50 to 1 MVP odds. I'm taking that, and I strongly <laughs> encourage everybody else to. Hey, John, are you taking that at 50 to 1? Yes. <laughs> okay. So here's the case for Josh Allen. This will be good. <laughs> we all know the biggest cheat code for a fantasy quarterback is that they can run, and Josh Allen can run. He 
is second in red zone carries in the NFL since he entered the league behind Lamar Jackson. He also has another similarity with Lamar Jackson. His biggest issue was deep ball accuracy the first two seasons. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm going to talk about that. And the Bills did the absolute best they could do and add Stephon Diggs, who is one of the cleanest route runners and a deep ball specialist. He is so, probably the best route runner, but he's good. He's good on the deep ball, but I mean, where where Diggs really shines is the you know over the middle stuff, but even the deep ball too. That's why I think it's weird that I have Diggs seven spots higher than than you do, because I think that's kind of a clunky fit. But I think Diggs is so good that he'll he'll still get his. And I think that it just gives Josh Allen a better opportunity to hit over over the top. And at the same time, you have John Brown, who proved himself as a talented receiver last season. That's going to be running out of the slot board. So Josh Allen's working with an improved wide receiver core. And Isaiah McKenzie is an interesting speed specialist they have on that team. So Josh Allen has everything going for him. And he's going into his third year, which traditionally among quarterbacks is one of their most successful. He's he's a guy that I could see hitting on all cylinders. And it's an organization that's buying into the skills he has. They're letting him run the ball still, but they're also scheming in a way that makes him more successful. They're not making him throw the ball downfield unless a guy's really open. When you add all of these together and you're in the third year of the same offensive coordinator, you're seeing very similar situation to what Lamar Jackson found himself in. And I think that Josh Allen and Lamar have great similarities and the rushing upside could let him finish as the QB one. If he really gets those red zone carries in, I, I, I know this is this is a tough take to hear, but he has more rushing touchdowns than Zeke does since entering the league. So he's a guy who just gets to the end zone, and now that he has more weapons to work I bet, with. I bet you Zeke could probably be just as accurate throwing a deep ball too. Hey, if he improves his deep ball percentage, I don't have a complaint about the guy. And <laughs> I, I can see myself taking Josh Allen and a lot of Josh Allen this season. He's going to be one of my favorite guys to watch, and it's a team that's bought into him. Just remember that his next contract will likely not look like Patrick. Patrick Mahomes. I want everybody to remember that tweet from whatever, <laughs> whatever Buffalo yeah, Bills. The, the Buffalo Bills just letting us know that Josh Allen's not worth half a billion dollars. <laughs> I'm glad we can at least agree, agree on that. So the thing about Josh Allen, you, you mentioned the fantasy cheat code. The only reason that he is eight for me is that. I mean, if it wasn't for the running and how how much running can swing things at the quarterback position, he would not be in my top 12. I just don't think he's a very good player. He's a good runner. I don't think he's a good quarterback, though. Um, He's terribly, terribly inaccurate. And I just don't have faith in the upside. I mean, you've mentioned all, all these great running stats, more touchdowns than Zeke, second in the NFL, and red zone carries last year. It's like, okay, well, how, how much better can that stuff really get? I mean, you had a guy in Singletary who didn't have very many touchdowns last year. Maybe he finds a few more. You have Zach Moss there now who, you know, Frank Gore is eternal, but I do think Zach Moss is a better player at this point than Frank Gore. So you have an upgrade there. Maybe the running backs um, score some of those rushing touchdowns. And I just don't see the the offensive upside for them on a week-to-week basis, quite frankly. It's like, I can't imagine with the Josh Allen that we've seen, I can't imagine the Bills scoring much more than 17 points a game on on a week-to-week basis. Like, I just don't think that's going to be an offense that has a ton of production. I think there's going to be a couple guys who are productive for fantasy, obviously, and Josh Allen. I think he's going to be a top 10 guy, so he'll be good, but I just don't think the production is going to be there for him to be a top five guy, let alone have the upside of a number one overall quarterback like you think. We've talked about the deep ball stuff. We joked about a little bit. He was the worst quarterback in the NFL at completing passes that traveled more than 20 yards in the air last year. 
that PFF grade was 40.8. That's like an F minus minus, it sounds like. And he threw the fourth highest untouchable and inaccurate passes. That 26% of his passes were not just inaccurate, untouchable. I just, I have a lot of worries about his throwing. If he was even a decent thrower, because that was my worry about Lamar before last year. I was worried about the throwings. Like he's a great runner. He made strides in throwing. I mean, the th he's not a great passer, but he still made strides. And that was ultimately what kind of put him over the hump to me. I, I just don't see it with Josh Allen. Johnny, I'm curious where you stand because I think Dalton and I could not be more more opposed on this take. Well, I'll be damned. I think I'm going to agree with Dalton here. <laughs> I think this is a podcast first. I, I just truly like, I think I'm going to enjoy watching Buffalo Bills games. It's just like Bills Mafia. It's like, you, I feel a part of that fan base, just seeing them jump on tables and I want to ride. I was going to say, you know, just watching their fans jump on tables will be more fun than watching Josh Allen, right? No, no. I, I think Josh Allen is just such a great guy and he's just electric to watch. It, although sometimes there are inaccurate the in passes. The incomplete passes are electric. Yeah, but I feel like everything you just said the last five minutes, I cannot wait for Josh Allen to just have such a great season to where I clip that, mash it all up, and then tweet at Josh Allen just so he can see how much <laughs> you're talking down on him. Because I think he'll be a top five quarterback easily. <laughs> top five, okay. I might have right. Johnny's palms before this to decide to be <laughs> a little more. Quick little Venmo. Okay, Johnny, so you say he's going to be top five. So now I'm just going to go through the list, and I want to see where he actually ah. falls in in your rankings so i'm assuming mahomes and lamar you have you would have ahead of them you would take them over josh allen yes correct russell yeah. wilson or josh allen russell wilson dak prescott or josh allen josh allen Ooh. okay so even dalton has dak ahead of josh allen deshaun watson or josh allen deshaun watson okay so right now you have him fifth drew Brees or josh allen josh allen carson wentz or josh allen Ooh, that's a tough one I, i'll still take josh allen Okay, so we'll we'll sell on fifth for you. So both of you guys think he is at least top five. I disagree. We will move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the next guy, I know Dalton, you had um, Stafford down here talk about a little bit in our rundown. Unless you're really interested in talking about him, I'm actually more interested in talking about the old guys a little bit. And, and by old guys, um, I mean Tom Brady and Drew Brees. So I have Drew B seventh, Dalton has him 11th, and Dalton has Tom Brady 17th, and I have Tom Brady 12th. So I'm curious about the ageism going on from my co-host on this podcast. I'll start with Drew Brees, and then I'll jump into Tom Brady. Let me first say, and you know this, I've been a Tom Brady stan my entire life, loved watching the guy. What worries me about Drew Brees, though, is he's entering a division that's incredibly tough. Same for Tom Brady, in fact. Uh, but more importantly, can he hit at that high level? And then at the same time, it is such a difficult quarterback to watch play for fantasy purposes because he dinks and dunks it down the field these days. They improved the situation he's in, but he showed that he can compete at a high level when he was healthy but I don't know how long he has that going. His average depth of target was 35th out of 36 qualifying quarterbacks last season at 6.8. I think the only person he might have been beating out there was Teddy Bridgewater, who played in the same offense. So he's just uninspiring, and the ceiling stays capped. So I don't really enjoy taking Drew Brees in a draft, and that's why I have him ranked low. Tom Brady is a, is a completely different situation. His pro football focus grade has fallen every year for the last four years. 
I know we think that he's an ageless wonder, but it is showing. Also, last year, he was fourth in pass attempts in the league and only was able to round out as the QB 12 for fantasy. Had a couple of 11 and 12 point games that you don't want to see. And you're just looking at him coming into a new situation where you don't know what he's going to do with it. He has probably some of the best weapons he will have in his career. But I just don't know if he can round out as a guy who's going to finish in the top 12 or be somebody who you want to start on a weekly basis. He doesn't give you the rushing upside. And I'm going to rank guys who can really get in above that before I rank Tom Brady there. And at the end of the day, uh, just like with Drew Brees, they're playing in a tough division with tough teams. I could really see him getting in slug it out fests. And both those guys are going to rely on their defense to win those games here and there. So I just don't want to have a lot of exposure to either of those players. So I'll, I'll start with Brees. I mean, you mentioned the average depth of target, a little painful to watch. Both those things obviously true, but what, one thing that's still true about Brees is he is probably, him and Brady are probably still the two smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think that's a reach and saying that and you know both guys i mean obviously they're not the same guys they were probably five six years ago neither one of them but both guys are still capable of playing quarterback at a pretty high level i think um with breeze when he came back from that thumb injury he was pretty darn good last year he has the best receiver in the game in michael thomas probably one of the top five running backs and alvin kamara so he's got the weapons still got sean payton i don't know i just he's just kind of i mean you mentioned it he's not fun to watch he's just kind of he's the boring guy but he gets the job done I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't care what it's like to watch. If, if I end up with 20 fantasy points, then, you know, it works for me. Maybe it won't quite be that good if the, the Superdome only has 25% of their fans um, <laughs> this year. Who, know, who knows what that'll look like because it's always been a big, big home road split with Breeze. But And then with Brady, the drop-off. So he actually started last year pretty strong. I mean, he had, it looks like one, two, three. He had four games of 300 or more yards in his first six. But that old line and just some of the guys around, I mean, they just got banged up. And by the end of the year, I mean, that offense just just couldn't do anything for the most part. So I don't know. Brady's just one of those guys where I'm not putting him outside of my top 12 until he's not in the NFL, quite frankly. And then you just look at the situation he's walking into. Again, not a huge situation guy, but you can't deny um, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Those are two of the top 10 to 15 receivers just talent wise in the NFL easily and maybe two of the top 10. I think we both have them ranked in the top 10 um, fantasy-wise um, in the NFL. Obviously, tight end, there's a little bit of an enigma with Gronk and OJ Howard, but there's still talent there. I don't know. I, I just think with Bruce Arians, with that talent, I'm not saying Brady's going to be like a top top five guy, but I'd be surprised if the fall off a cliff was this year, um, or at least I'm certainly not going to bet on it. And the great thing about it is if you take Brady, Brees, I have a little higher, so if you take him at seven, it hurts a little bit more, seven overall at quarterback, but with Brady, you have him 12th. I mean, you can probably take him, you can probably take every position player in your fantasy draft and then take Brady. If he doesn't work out, you just drop him for Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan or Baker Mayfield or, or whoever. So we're not talking about huge risk, but I just thought it was interesting when I looked at your rankings and I was decently higher on both of those guys than you were. Yeah, and I still have Drew Brees as the guy I would draft as a starter. He's a, I think he's 11th overall for me. Uh, I have Tom Brady out of that. I think another point you hit on was last year Tom Brady started off hot and ended pretty kind of flamed out, and you blamed mm -hmm. the offense and the old line play, but their schedule was a cupcake fest. Oh, for sure, last year for sure. Trust, were, as Chiefs fans, we were frustrated yeah. about that every every week last year yeah. for sure. 
I mean, they lost to the Dolphins at the, to end the season, but the Bucks have the 16th hardest schedule this year. So I think Tom Brady's going to be hitting at least a slightly harder schedule, and we could see the drop off you saw at the end of the season a little quicker when it comes to fantasy production. But I okay. don't disagree that they're both great players. They're just not great fantasy players for me this year. And I mean, like I said, especially with where I have Brady at 12 and you at 17, if you draft Brady, you can cut bait after a week. So that's a good thing about it. I mentioned Chris Goblin in that conversation, and I want to circle back to receiver because we forgot about our one big question. Um, Goblin and Kenny Galladay, those were two guys last year who were kind of going in that third or fourth round, top top 15, 20 wide receiver-ish range. And now, obviously, th- those guys are both top eight receivers most places you look. So Dalton, just looking kind of at that range this year in your rankings, do you have a guy that kind of stands out to you as like, this guy could could be a level jumper. Like I could see him going in the second round of fantasy drafts next year. I do. And his name is DJ Shark. (laughs) Shark. And I say that for talent. And I say that because the Jaguars are going to be an absolute horrible unit to watch defensively. They're going to have the worst defense in the NFL more than likely, and they will be playing in negative situations. Last year, and this is including the two games he didn't play, Shark had 1,008 yards receiving and eight touchdowns, which puts him at seventh in the NFL, and 114 targets, which put him at 18th. I can see all of those increasing to come into the season. He doesn't have a lot of players that are going to be warranting a high target share more than likely Leonard Fournette does not get as many targets as he has because of his inefficiency. I was gonna, I was gonna, oh, I was gonna say he only got the targets because it was oh he's open dump down. It's not like he was running any any great routes. He's not some great route runner. And then you have Jay Gruden coming in, uh, who has done great things with offenses historically, and he does a good job at getting his number one guy the ball. So at the end of the day. I am betting that next year DJ Shark is a guy that we look at as somebody you want to be with. I don't know if he's tied to the greatest quarterback, but he's tied to a quarterback who's going to feed him the ball every game. So you can feel good about him getting his opportunity to kind of play. Well, and if they're bad enough, he may have a new quarterback next year who who you're more excited about, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Fields from Ohio State. And you mentioned the skill set. He's he's one of those big fast guys who can go up and 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 win any jump ball. He's a lot like Kenny Galladay, just as far as how he profiles and and what kind of player he is. I think Galladay is better. I, I think Galladay coming into last year was better than Shark coming into this year, but it's close. Same, same guy, um, for the most part. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go with Terry McLaurin. He's a guy I liked a lot last year. He started off very strong. He had 125 and a touchdown in the first week. He actually had five touchdowns in the first five weeks. He kind of cooled off. Whether it was uh injury, he got a little banged up. He also had uh, I don't know if you, I didn't not remember this game until i'm looking at their game log right now the game against the niners where it was like a a monsoon um in washington he had one catch for 11 yards kind of hurt his his numbers a little bit last year that game was nine to zero he started that game on my team just to give you an idea of how my season went <laughs> but i i think mclaurin is a really really good player um i think that's the situation he was in last year i see it i'm not saying getting a lot better but i I don't see it. I, I see it improving. I think Haskins is at least a promising young quarterback. We'll see what he turns into. 
but I think that you could see Haskins take a step forward and in turn you could easily I could easily envision a war a world where McLaurin's a, a top top 12 guy this year I, I just think he's a really he's a really talented guy and he was he was a player that a lot of people loved coming into last year a, as a sleeper so it's not like he came out of nowhere and, and was great in Washington as a rookie you're forgetting about the real wide receiver one on that team KU football product Steven Sims. <laughs> Sims a good player. <laughs> Sims a good player. He he's he's kind of a sleeper in fantasy drafts this year. I mean, I would I wouldn't mind having him as my last pick. I wouldn't either. Four touchdowns in four games in the season. Talk about a slot specialist. That is definitely definitely Steve Sims. Okay, Dalton, is there anything else to add to the to Terry McLaurin conversation? Johnny, I saw you were pretty excited about Terry McLaurin over there. Scary Terry the GOAT. Had him on my Madden team as well. He ended up being a superstar. Loved the guy. And Scary Terry was actually the other one I was considering when you asked that question. Mm -hmm. Um, It ended up being DJ Chark because I want to get a little Gardner Minshew love in there. I think think he's a guy you could see rotating into your lineups after you unfortunately draft Tom Brady. (laughs) Uh, He could be a week-to-week streamer. Yeah, we'll see. God, talk about you go from two of the best quarterbacks of all time to just the ultimate garbage time. Time, bad quarterback, but not. I don't. Yeah, man, points or points. I, yeah. Okay, Blake Bortles, I guess. <laughs> well, I think that is going to do it for us on episode two of the Half Point Per Podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter at Half Point Per Pod. We would love to get those Twitter followers up a little bit. Our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes. If you want to leave any comments or anything, that'd be great too. Maybe we'll read them on the show if they are PG enough to be on a podcast. But thanks for listening. See you all next week. <laughs>